Welcome to the Painting of the Week podcast, where we look at some of the most significant paintings throughout history. Introducing your hosts, Phil Grabsky and Laura Bentham. Welcome to uh, our today's podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Laura. Excellent. <laughs> we'll nail that. Um, so today... Eventually. Today we are going to talk about a painting by Frida Kahlo. Now we made a film about Frida Kahlo a couple of years ago and she's very interesting because she is arguably the most famous, the most popular female artist in the world and yet I don't think people know much about her and I don't think people could even name a painting. What do you think? I agree. Because when you did say that the other day, that interview, I actually then started to rack my brains and think, oh, do I know an exact name of the painting? I might be able to scrabble something together. But uh, because so many were self-portraits, though, you do sort of think of those as the obvious ones. And then you brought up this one. That's, a great, that's a great idea, actually. If somebody asks you to <laughs> name, <a free laughs> name a painting... Name a painting by an artist, you go, well, was that self-portrait? And you're on, Actually, I'm going to do that. You're on relatively safe ground. <laughs> you're probably right, but not necessarily. So when the Christmas quiz comes around, we name can uh, get name, half a point. Yeah, name a painting by Lucian Freud. Uh, self-portrait? <laughs> yeah, well done. Half point, Christmas quiz. Now, um, and I must admit that when it came up in our office, the discussion about making a film about Frida Kahlo, I was a little, wasn't immediately convinced because um, I knew the feature film, but I didn't know much about her as an artist. I didn't know much about her art. And I wasn't really sure, dare I say it, that I actually liked her art very much. Um, I'm the complete opposite. Well... We asked a very good friend of ours and a very good filmmaker called Ali, Ali Ray, to direct this. <clears throat> and Ali doesn't speak Spanish, and I do. So she asked me if I would come to Mexico City with her and to, on the shoot. And I, it just so happened that it had been such a busy year, and in particular, such a busy autumn. And I'd been bouncing around filming my Leonardo film, I'd been to a conference that I'd been invited to in Dubai. I mean, I'd just been traveling and I was kind of, this was, I guess, November 2019, so just before COVID hit. And I was kind of thinking, oh, I'm not sure I want to go to Mexico City and do this shoot. And my last time in Mexico City, it's so busy and it's polluted. And Okay, jump forwards to the end of the shoot, because I did go. Good. And I had the best time Good. and I loved every minute of it. And I loved Mexico City. Mm. I would go back at the drop of a hat. Good. And I grew, not only did I learn an enormous amount about Frida Kahlo, obviously I, you know, I co-write the film, so I learned from doing the research, but I also learned an enormous amount by being there. But I grew to really understand and really appreciate her art. And as ever, it's another example whereby if you understand a little bit about the biography, understand the motivations behind the paintings, and then just take the time to look, your appreciation just soars. Definitely the case with her. Yeah, for sure. 
I, I, I mean, she's really something special. It's, it is words with no words. They are just the, 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 all of the paintings are incredible. And the last few weeks you've said, where does your eye go first, Laura? What do you do? There's a, and she's not classically trained. So therefore, I don't think she cares where your eyes go. Well, that's quite interesting. So as ever, when you start a film, yeah, one of the things that you, the main thing you do when you're, when you're making a film, and it should be, I guess, if you're writing an article or writing a book or preparing a radio show or doing a podcast is, You've got to ask why. And so one of the key questions here is, okay, if we assume, and we have to challenge it, but if we assume she is the world's most popular female artist, then um, why her? Why then? Why there? You know, actually, if you kind of break it down, the world's most popular artist is a Mexican female. Sorry, okay, sorry, obviously female artists can be female, mm-hmm. but Mexican, disabled, yeah. um, uh, mixed parentage, you know, half Mexican, half German. I mean, it's just, it's a real mix. It's not a Parisian, I mean, you know, we're going to make a film soon about Mary Cassatt, so it's not an American artist. I'm, I'm a big fan of Bert Morisot. It's not a French artist. It's not a Chinese art. I mean, you know, whatever. It is a Mexican artist um, who had a very difficult life, definitely physically impaired by things that happened to her, polio and the bus accident, tram accident. You have to understand those things to understand her. And you talk about classically trained. So again, you're asking why. So how does she learn to paint? Now, our choice of painting today is the two Fridas. Mm. We'll talk about it in detail, but first glance you can tell that she knows how to paint i mean she's not you know sometimes you look at some contemporary art these days and you wonder do they actually know how to draw have they ever ever done you know studied the nude have they ever actually done perspective okay so frida so how does she learn well interestingly enough and again it's in the film of course but father's a photographer yeah father uses her as a model there's this whole, you know, he has this wonderful library of books. And she must just have looked at books. Uh-huh. Mexico City today claims, and I have no way of checking this, but claims it has more art galleries than any other city in the world. Wow. Who'd I have thought? <clears throat> now. Did she not actually like, help touch up his pictures and stuff, paintings? Uh, his photos, sorry. Yeah. And hence the fact that they were saying that all the pe- her paintings are really detailed. Yeah. Because she but, did those initial... Yeah, so she would have touched up his paintings, apparently, or... <clears throat> or his photos. Even, I don't know if, whether they would have no, coloured them. I didn't, yeah. But, no, but yes. Um, and maybe there are... See, one of the things that people don't know about Mexico City is that at this time, it was a it was a real... It was very cultured. They were trying to be Western, if you like. Um, a bit like if you imagine how Cuba was, you know, before the revolution, it was... Um, very attractive to people from not only North America but also from Europe. So her father, yeah, who becomes you know quite a high-ranking photographer in Mexico City, he comes from Germany. He is German, um, and he's drawn of all the places he can go in Europe, in North America. He chooses Mexico City. Um, Do you know why? 
Well, because, because of the, it was just so, so people, yeah, people okay. talked about its culture, talked mm-hmm. about its freedoms. Um, and we have a picture in the film where, you know, you've got this huge library of books. So she's basically self-taught. Her intention was not to be a painter. Her intention was to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. And it was only when she had this terrible accident. The accident's very interesting. I mean... They had only recently, again, it's just you constantly, just as a filmmaker, just keep asking why. Yeah. And even ask why of a bus, of a tram accident. Well, mm. why, why, how did this accident happen? They'd only recently put the trams in. Oh, okay. And the trams came, if you like, from the wrong direction. So the bus drivers come to a junction. She's mm. on a, she's on a, no, is she on a bus or? On a bus. She's on a bus. And then the tram hits him. Yeah, right. So she's on the bus and the bus comes to a junction and he looks the normal way for him. So, um, and there's nothing coming and he pulls out. But what he's forgotten is that the trams are coming from the other direction. Right. Okay. And again, it's all part of, you know, Mexico City's modernizing, put these trams in. Tram smashes, smashes into it. People are killed. Yeah. And she's pierced by the standing handrail i mean it's really mm. she's lucky to survive mm. she's lying in bed and it's a similar story with um uh, matisse oh okay same thing happens right so she's lying in bed and they give her a box of paints and they basically have to construct this thing whereby the bed becomes more and more kind of uh, uh enabling for her to paint including having a mirror above her. And anyway, yeah. they construct this thing so she can paint in bed. But she's self-taught. For me, the most, almost the most impressive painting in the film was actually an earlier one, not this, but where self-portraits of her, right. she gives to her. She had a boyfriend at the time of the bus crash, but then the parents of that boy sent him off to Europe. Yeah, it's really partly, sad. It is sad because partly to get him away from her. Yeah. Is that the one where she's wearing the yeah. velvet dress? Yeah. The red one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine stunning. self-teaching yourself no, to that mm. extent? So she never goes to a studio. She never really has an art teacher. No. Anyway, here we are in 1939. And once again, him going away, because she's had an accident, well, straight away. I mean, that's the first part of heartbreak, isn't it? Yeah. And then we get on to more. Yeah, I mean, she's come. Well, great, great line in the film. Um, I've had two accidents in my life. Oh, yeah. One was the one was the bus bus crash, and the other, which was worse, was meeting Diego Rivera. Yeah. Um, but you were saying about the way that RI is controlled here. I think there is a degree of circularity going on here. Right. It's not quite the same. I mean, often the paintings that we have looked at and we'll look at will deliberately have a kind of a triangle. Right. Paintings, you know, you don't want to be over analytic of these things or like always no. kind of break them down into squares and quadrants and triangles and circles. But actually often it helps. So but I read this was her largest picture. The largest picture. So she wasn't in bed when she did this one. No. It? No, mm-hmm. she's um she was plausibly in a in a, in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um, but um, whether deliberately or not 
I think that there is a bit of a circularity going on. Again, we're reading left to right. My eye is drawn. But again, it's interesting to know what yours does. So my eye, when I look at this picture, open up, I actually go to her right hand, white dress. My eye is attracted by the white. Okay. I look at the splodge of red without looking that carefully at it. I then go up her arm. I see that there's a red tube of some sort popped out above her shoulder. And I follow that across to the other heart. Don't really look that closely at it. And then I go down to her hand and I get stuck. She's holding onto something, which I have to look quite carefully to see what it is. And then I might pay a little bit of attention to clouds, but not really. In fact, the clouds look slightly fake somehow. It's almost like she's sitting in front of a of a backdrop in a phot photographer's studio. Yeah. You know, that's not terribly realistic. When they are gloomy. They are gloomy. And again, in the film, the curator of the painting says, you know, they're actually very important because they are reflecting her mood. Yeah. You do need to look, you do need then, and this is the thing about Frida Kahlo, isn't it? You you actually kind of, I mean, she's, she's been very overt. She's not, you know, it's quite clear when you look. In the hand, if you care to look at it a bit more carefully, is a picture, small picture cameo of Diego Rivera. So on the right-hand side, there she is, dressed as a Mexican, hearts beating well with her husband, uh, as was. And that's one side of it. And of course, the other side of it, you've got, you know, she's just in you know, the Western side of her, got a Western dress, she's got a broken heart, mm -hmm. and she's bleeding onto her dress, you know, her, her Lifeblood is slowly seeping away. Um, is that her? That isn't her actual wedding dress, then. That's not the picture of her wedding dress, or would it have been symbolizing that? No, just Western. Don't know, actually. Okay. Don't know. But yeah. And then actually. I mean, she doesn't mess about, does she? It's quite clear. I mean, it's yeah. not, it's not, <laughs> you know, but the thing about her is that these are oh, her own icons. Yeah. Although. Of course, in Mexico, if you've ever been to Mexico, or no. even, even South America and Central America more generally, mm. you know, when people have like arm ache or leg problems or, you know, they take little, um, could be wooden, could be wooden, could be like little wooden arms or little metal arms or, and they'll hang them on spiritual trees in the village or they'll hang them outside a church. Um, okay. So you can imagine if you've got a heart issue, just, I, I don't know, I've not seen this, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they'll actually have a little cut out heart and hang yeah, it on. Yeah, hang it up. Oh. Hang it on the magic tree. See how far like that. Yeah. So it's all there's a bit more kind of magic. Yeah. It's like some of that um some of the literature of Central and South America is the kind of more you know, magic pervades the text and you know, the the, the paranormal a little bit. Yeah, okay. Um But those trees can be busy then. Oh, they're absolutely full. I mean, there's like hundreds of these little legs <laughs> dangling down. You think, God, this village, nobody can really walk. <laughs> um, I, there, was, there was a nice quote about Frida Kahlo and her self-portraiture, actually, which is that in most self-portraits, you the person reveals their personality in the face. Yes. So if you look at, I mean, I guess famously, who are the famous self-portraitists? Well, obviously Rembrandt and obviously Van Gogh. And actually, 
they'll be telling something about you in the way that they're dressed and sitting and the environment, but actually you're deliberately being asked to look at the face. Yeah. And within the face is how they are choosing to demonstrate their emotional state at the time. Frida Kahlo is different. And the argument can be made with Frida Kahlo is that her biography is actually what's beneath the neck. In, yeah. in her pictures, it's, it's what she's, you know, it's the icon. She's telling you what she wants you to know about her state. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost as if she's writing a letter to you, but as you said, instead of using actual words, she's using pictures. Yeah. yeah that painting with the column that she does. Exactly. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, with a broken spine, yeah, and a broken really, column. Yeah, really yeah. tough to watch, really tough. And in fact, her, her portraits, and later when she did a lot of portraits because they were selling, um, the three-quarter, non-smiling, yeah. um, slightly exaggerated eyebrows, which she was quite proud of her eyebrows, but this is, they are slightly exaggerated. Um, even, frankly, the slightly exaggerated kind of facial hair above her lip. Yeah. She she didn't, you know, one of the great... I think one of the reasons she's so popular yeah. is she's, she seems to celebrate and revel in who she is. Which is great. She's not trying to say, you know no. what, I need to shave my eyebrows off. No. Pencil. No hair maintenance. Yeah. At she's, last. she's like, this is, this is me and I love it. <laughs> and I think that. And also, she'd get out a bit earlier than some of us. We're sitting indoors trying to sort ourselves out. Yeah. No, she. Um, is there a single picture of her actually smiling at all? Is, n- there, is there any? Well, photographs there are. Oh, yes. Yeah, this is really nice when I saw. Um, paintings. Mm, no paint. I couldn't find one. Not off the top of my head. No, I couldn't see one. But yeah. it should also be pointed out, of course, it's actually harder to paint yourself smiling. Oh, it's just horrible. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, bear in mind she's painting herself. Yeah. So actually, if you're painting yourself, the less expression you have on your face, the easier it is to hold. Okay. Um, it's it's there was a very interesting interview interview we did when we did um, a film about David Hockney with one of his sitters and the sitter said what Hockney was doing here was he said to us you're going to sit for me for three days and whatever I wherever I get to is where I get to I'm not going to extend it oh, bearing in mind that some portraits can take I mean Cezanne famously oh. did one person who was over a hundred sittings right and Hockney said. You know, we'll work, we'll work together on this, but basically let's choose a position you can hold, choose a facial position you can hold. When we are photographed, so my daughter, who you know, obviously is very attractive, when someone's taking a picture of her, she will flash the most beautiful smile. Yeah. But you cannot hold that smile no. for three days. No. So this sitter was saying, it's very interesting because you, you have to assume a facial expression that you can hold which tends therefore to be much less kind of demonstrative you're not going to smile you're not going to scowl because you can't hold those muscles that long so actually it's it's you in a way you very very rarely see yourself yeah yeah so people will analyze this painting and analyze the self-portraits and say that she's trying to say something about herself it's also that this is her face that she can paint most easily you know if she was smiling Mm -hmm. It's actually quite there. Yeah. Anyway, she's not likely, likely to be smiling here. Uh, not in this one. Because she's making a really clear point. No. There's two Fridas. There's the heart, the one that 
the Mexican that revels in love and in, with her Diego Rivera, who is such a part of her life. And also, he loved her in that in those outfits, didn't he? He loved her the most when yes. she was dressed. Right. Okay. In. Oh, that's right. He encouraged her to wear the yeah. Mexican dress, didn't mm-hmm. he? And then there's the more Western. And maybe she's also saying there that, you know, part of her German ancestry is that actually she expects some degree of monogamy and yeah. from her husband and some degree of, you know, more attention than she's getting. And I don't know. Um, I have to say as an aside, I think that the stories of her affairs, I think are exaggerated. I think they're exaggerated by those that support Diego Rivera to say, well, she was just as bad. Right, yeah. She wasn't. I think it's exag- I think she exaggerated it to get at him. Yes. And I think it's exaggerated too because she had a lot of surgical procedures. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but I mean, I just don't – if you've had an operation on your back, then mm-hmm. you are – bluntly putting not going to be sexually active for no. a few weeks and yeah. so yeah yeah you know she may have had an affair with trotsky famously and one or two others but the idea that she was constantly on the lookout yeah no I don't, well she probably wouldn't have done i don't buy it. like you said had he not yeah it definitely would have been sort of like a revenge thing i think so made her maybe made her feel a little bit better yeah because then it sort of equalised it and therefore, okay, we've got this underlying marriage, Mm. but we're both having affairs so we can kind of forget about those parts of it. I mean, mean, she totally adored him. The trauma trauma she must have felt when he slept with her sister. Sister. I mean, she got over over that at all. And bearing in mind as well that she talks about having three... Yeah. Having lost three children through abortion or miscarriage, yeah. and that's also fairly, you know, you can't underestimate the trauma of that. So we have this picture. Again, just going on to that idea of just stopping and looking. I hadn't noticed until we filmed it. And in fact, I'm not even sure I noticed until Ali pointed it out. You know, I started to see the edit that she was doing. If you look at the dress on the right, the, the the dress in white. Yeah. The way in which you've got the stain of blood. Mm-hmm. And of course, that could mean lots of things. I mean, it could even be referring to lost children at some point. It could be, who knows, but it's, it's fairly graphic. But beneath that, there are two little splodges of blood. Yeah. And actually go down another level and the splodges of blood are turning into the very finely painted flowers. Yeah. Now, I guess we can go back and forth on exactly what all that means. Um, but just in terms of its craft, it's really very beautiful. Yes, it's beautiful. So the idea that she, you know, some people might look at it and think initially, oh, I'm not sure she's a very good artist. Actually, she's painting exactly how she wants to paint. Yeah. She's choosing to paint like this. It's not because she can't do perspective or she can't get things that look three-dimensional. Actually, if you look at, the bottom of those dresses. They're very beautifully done. The chair, just just the, the you know, the, the yeah. chair actually that they're sitting on the bench. It's very, very good. It's lovely. Um, I love it. And, 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 and the colours, it's just the colours to me. Yeah. Even though that's such a heartbreaking picture. And when you 
I've been singing <laughs> Lloyd Cole all week. Are you ready to be heartbroken? Just looking at it. Uh. <clears throat> I just couldn't get it out of my head. Because it is literally heartbreaking, that picture. It's such a lovely painting. I wonder why um, we have this, you know, why the, the broken heart? You know, why the heart, that one, that particular muscle represents love and a broken heart represents, you know, the lack of love? Well, when you feel that much pain, though, people say, you, you do feel, you do feel that. You do feel heartache. Sometimes you have a lump in your throat. Hmm. And it's just sometimes, oh, I would imagine that everyone at some stage has felt that their heart is breaking. Do you actually feel? Yeah, definitely. I guess the image of a lump in your throat isn't quite as good, is it? No, it's not a good look, <laughs> is it? No, you do. You do. I wonder Sometimes who... you can't breathe, can you? Like you're, you're, you feel like you're really, yeah, you just can't. You just can't breathe. If it's that, if it's that bad... I mean, she adored him. Yeah, she was completely I mean, enthralled by him. Yeah. So. Hmm. I mean, he must have been very charismatic because he was a big lad. Was he? Yeah. And, uh, and his mother, her mother, didn't she, said. Yeah. What was it? The marrying an elephant. Elephant marrying a dove. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he had lots of, apparently, uh, you know, we weren't there. We don't know. For, no. But he apparently had lots of affairs with starlets and. Yeah. Um, on the surface of it, you probably wouldn't have thought when you looked at him. But it's all in the charisma, mm. for sure. He is, as an aside, an absolutely fantastic artist. In the film, and I watched it again yesterday, there's a moment when he's doing the um, uh, uh, mural for the Henry Ford factory. Oh, yeah. And actually, if you stop and look at that, it's just amazing what he's doing. I mean, his murals were fantastic. Yeah, see, I now, didn't look at that. I was too busy looking at her picture, the well, Henry Ford, when the hospital picture. Well, we were um, uh, filming for Leonardo in St. Petersburg in Russia. And it's a pain getting to Russia because there's quite a lot of visa shenanigans you have to go through. Anyway, uh we had a very good shoot. And then my fixer, my Russian fixer said, oh, by the way, you know, that down the road from the Hermitage, there is um, a Fabergé museum and they have temporary exhibitions as well as the permanent collection, which is basically Fabergé stuff. And they've got a temporary exhibition right now, which is Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera. And I said, well, that's funny. Yeah. Because we're making a film about, about them, but about her in particular. So we went down and they were very nice at the museum. It's a very, very, I thoroughly, anyone goes to St. Petersburg, go to check this place. The Fabergé eggs are just spectacular. Yeah, I was after that. But the exhibition was great. Yes. It's, it's actually a traveling exhibition beyond, uh, you know, these exhibitions, there are exhibitions of paintings that just kind of travel the world, generating mm -hmm. income for the, for the owners. So the Dolores, Olmedo, is that right? Olmedo Museum, they'll package out this and it'll go around the world and they'll get paid. I don't know. I'd have, I would be guessing how much they get paid. But the Fabergé Museum in Moscow, in St. Petersburg, might have paid them. I don't know. I'm guessing. 
Yes. $500,000 okay. to hire those paintings for an eight-week exhibition. Mm-hmm. Then it'll go to Pisa. Then it'll go to Kiev. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, I first of all looked at the, uh, the uh, Frida Kahlo paintings and took some notes and took some pictures, and it was all very interesting. Then I looked at Diego Rivera. Yeah. I'd only seen a few of his before. He was really great. And he actually did paintings? Yeah. Oh, right. A lot Fan- of them. Fantastic paintings. Oh. and Because and he was a muralist, wasn't he? And, yeah. I mean, you so, could argue, he, I mean, I, I, I could understand why people would say he's actually a better painter than her. Okay. I think in some ways, technically, perhaps. Yeah. I, I think she, you can't, can't divorce our knowledge of the biography from our interpretation and appreciation and reaction to the paintings. But it, do you think that's why everybody is so enthralled with this, with just with the story and how much happened in her life? Well, and how much people can associate with the emotions of it. That that going back to that Hen, the, the Henry Ford Hospital mm, one, mm, where she's on the bed. Mm. I mean, that's you know. Well, if you imagine just looking, so tough to look at that painting. If you imagine looking at that painting and not knowing who that person is, mm. it's not quite as powerful as knowing that that's her. No, that's true. Uh, and then again, that's why mm. the film helps because not only do you know that it's her, but then someone tells you it's the first time that this has been painted in yeah. history yeah. and what's going on in her life. And so I, I used to have this conversation about Mozart. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would say to people, um, can you appreciate a piece of work by Mozart equally knowing nothing about his biography or knowing about his biography and knowing why he why he wrote that piece, for whom he wrote that piece, how he wrote that piece. Yeah. And my argument always is the more you know, yeah. the better the music mm-hmm. sounds. And most musicians, because I was talking to musicians, most musicians would agree. One or two said that makes no difference. A piece of music has its own intrinsic power. I don't think so. I think that, yes, a piece of music will have an impact upon you. But if you know that that piece of music was written because he had a concert and he had to get something written or his mother had just died or he was being paid. I mean, I think it does make a difference. So I think with Frida Kahlo, even though she is the most popular artist in the world, I would suggest, the more you look at the paintings, the more you understand. So whether you watch this, our film or God forbid, another one, (laughs) actually, I think you come away. We all sorts of films. Well, I think you come away really appreciating. I, I certainly admire her more as an artist now, mm. now that I have a little bit of knowledge than I did before. And so, yes, I think that knowing the biography does make a difference. Um, yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, by the still going back to that painting, I know I'm going about the Henry Ford one, but she's still. Mm. I don't know whether if she was selling paintings then, but. To just paint that initial painting, mm. she's not thinking of selling that. No, not really. She's no. literally just getting it all out. Yeah. And yeah, she's expressing you know, herself totally. Yeah. And you know, no, she didn't really. I mean, she only had two exhibitions in her life. Mm. It was only later in her life of painting. You know, she became an independent artist. Yeah. Because at that point, the painting you're talking about, mm. she's still basically Diego Rivera's wife. wife yeah. Who paints? Mm. But, I mean, he was the great artist mm. and she was almost she, considered to be dabbling or, you know. Yeah. Um, but like you say, that was one of the first pictures of its time to to show anything like a, 
a woman yeah. having a miscarriage. Yeah. Well, first probably. Yeah. So I mean, to just literally come home and paint that. I mean, is, last and on her own. Can you imagine she did it on her own? <laughs> I mean, last year, no, two years ago, we did Easter in Arts, and all those little babies. Yeah. I mean, they are. There's not a sense of any birth. Mm. And I don't. I mean, I know. I know that it's a. Um, uh, uh, there's no sense of. I'm trying to think. There's no. There's never one where there's even a smudge of blood on, on right, the baby no. Jesus, is there? It's just no. or on the or on Mary or. No. And even even thinking about it, you think well, that would be odd. But actually, it would be perfectly normal. Absolutely, really. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And probably would connect better with audiences you know with viewers if there was a sense that this was an actual childbirth rather yeah. than a but is that what people really related to it with with her or you know i just feel that it's just such raw emotion this is just raw emotion and it, it is oh, I don't know, just... do you think do you think men would appreciate her work in the same way as women um yes there's a lot of men who probably hire, like keep a lot in and, you know, if their wife, partner has had a miscarriage, can relate to that painting. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think we can, uh, you know, a lot of men put a brave face on things, don't they? Maybe to protect the woman as well, whatever's going on. But they're not necessarily going to come home and do a painting like that, no. as she did. So... The curator in mm. Mexico City that we yeah. interviewed standing in front of this painting, he said it was the most important painting. And I think he was going to leave it at that. And then he added, then he kind of added, he said, well, of, no, sorry, the most important Mexican painting. Yeah. Slight pause, long enough for me to know that he was going to end the sentence there. Then he continued, of the first half of the 21st century. But still, and even in her lifetime, it was, the most she was ever paid for a painting. Mm, okay. um, I can't remember exactly how much. Three, four thousand dollars. It wasn't huge. Um, by the museum? Who, who bought? It was bought by a museum. Oh, right. Okay. Um, it's now in the Contemporary Art Museum. I think it was bought by the Bellas Artes, so Beautiful Arts Museum at the time. And I don't know if I wonder if that's actually a different museum and it's got transferred across. It's like in Paris, all the contemporary art used to go in one place. Mm -hmm. Well, even in Britain, actually, in theory, you had pre-1900 art was at the National Gallery and everything else went to the Tate. Yeah. It started to kind of, yeah, that's not quite the case anymore. Or maybe it's the two Tates had that 1900s, I don't know. The thing about contemporary art is that, of course, every... Where does modern art begin? Oh, yeah. Because as we move forwards in time, uh -huh. yeah. you know, we might have thought that modern art started in, you know, around about the beginning of the First World War, but mm -hmm. that seems quite a long time ago now, yeah. 100 years ago. So when we talk about contemporary art, when does contemporary art start? Is it only 21st century now? Um, so this is getting on, what, 1939? It's getting on, what, 61, 81, 82 years ago. Um, I could definitely say it was. It was just so. It was different. Hmm. But don't people compare her with surrealism? And then she completely argued that and said that she wasn't a surrealist. Well, 
One of her two exhibitions was in Paris and she did, she was really chuffed to bits because she met and was lauded by and appreciated by Picasso, for example. Oh, can and, you imagine? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I'd else, like that. <laughs> who else was there? I might even get my paintings out. Yeah. Miro. Did she say Kandinsky? Or what Kandinsky, yeah. yeah, Brack, mm. maybe. Anyway. Mm. And I think when they first looked at it, they thought there was something surrealistic about it, surrealist about it. She actually kind of, in a sense, and if you look at this picture, you understand why. Mm. Actually, it's really clear. So it's not really surrealist because surrealism is just that. It's surreal. It's above reality. It's, it's, it's like a Dali where you've got all these different objects. Yeah. You can, you can try to make sense of it if you want, but yeah. your idea of the sense of a Dali is going to be different to mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the melting clock. Well, what's all that about? So yeah. we, we can all have different ideas. You really just want to hear what Dali has to say. I think this, again, there's nothing really surreal. The only thing that's kind of slightly surrealist, I suppose, is what exactly she was meaning by the splodges of blood becoming flowers. Is that some sense of redemption? Is that some sense that from pain will come beauty? I don't know. I'm making it up. Well, yeah. Otherwise, it's clear what she's saying. Yeah. So it's more like a kind of hyper-reality than a non-reality, I suppose. But what well, it's, yeah, my what, pain will heal for sure. What I it certainly what is, what it's yeah, maybe even the, the scissors are yeah. saying, you know, I can I can stop the blood. Mm-hmm. But what she certainly certainly she is doing is it's it's not realistic. It is accepting that on a plain canvas with a brush and with paints, the only limit in a sense is your imagination. Yeah. And maybe what society will accept. But one of the things about Frida, she didn't really care too much about that. No. She pushed the boundaries. Um, Which is what everyone loves about her, for she's, sure. Yeah. You know, she's talking, she's a very Catholic society. Mm. And there she is talking and painting, well, talking about abortions. Yeah. And then, you know, mm. being seen to be, you know, smoking on a wedding day or whatever it might be. She... Provoked, she liked, didn't she know? like a bit of a drink as well? She loved the tequila. Wow! And I must admit, I, I had a little a part. You know, as part of my research, obviously, it, I, I never had good tequila before. <laughs> it is really. Are we going to do a tequila podcast? <laughs> It'll be short and I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> short and embarrassing if we did. What happened? Actually, we should have. We should have. No, no. What happened in Mexico City so stays in Mexico City. Yeah. Is that it? It was uh, no tequila stories. It's, I tell you, it's, it's it's impressive and shocking how quickly you can drink tequila. Okay, they got a fantastic little part. I, I mean, the color and the sounds and the music and the it was just fantastic. Now Mexico yeah. City has some dreadful problems, but mm. you know, if you're there to visit, yeah, you can have a wonderful time. You go to these restaurants. I swear, everyone was. I mean, I remember one restaurant in particular towards the end of the shoot. We, uh, and it was a bit of a touristy place, but you went in there, and the first thing you notice is that every single person, not every single person, no, everyone's smiling. Though. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, everyone was having a great time. Yeah. You can go out in a restaurant in Brighton, and people are looking pretty. <laughs> yeah, there's always someone having a row. <laughs> someone having a row, someone's not talking, someone's, <laughs> someone's on their phone. Every table, and the waiters are having a good time. Mm-hmm. And, but there's this guy that goes around, 
and he's got basically it's, it's like something you might have made when you were 12 in in your uh, design and technology class or whatever it's just a box yeah and it's wires coming out and then and then two handles and basically you all hold hands as a group the two people furthest from this guy hold on to one handle each and then they hold hands too and then he basically turns this thing up and he's basically electrocuting you <laughs> he's sending an electrical current out oh and you have to hold on as long as you possibly can and the right. idea is the idea is to be the person that can take, take the it. most electrical current <laughs> So when your table's getting this done, everyone else is watching and laughing hysterically. Yeah, I bet they are. Because you've just seen them doing it and doing all the <laughs> involuntary movements. So we did this and it came down to me and the cameraman. And it's bizarre because you're thinking, no, no problem. And then it comes a point when you have no control of, of your own body. And it's like, I can't. <laughs> your arms are going up and down and you can't hold on anymore. And, and you're just laughing the whole time. Yeah. That was night out in Mexico City. Now we just we just based we just skimmed the surface. Um, I have never heard that story before in my life. Oh, there's some great pictures oh, no. of us doing that. When I wonder, everyone's having such a good time. They're great. So I mean, she was in an environment which it is. I mean, it is different to the kind of slightly dour. I mean, I think Paris was probably pretty exciting at, at the time yeah. of the impressionists. But you know, art, art and artists reflect their period and. It is, it is no question that Mexico City is, you know, Brighton has quite a reputation, doesn't yeah. it, as a party town that doesn't, oh, doesn't compare nothing. to Mexico City in a million years. Doesn't touch sides. So she's got that colour and that alcohol-infused kind of nights out and the music and the dance and the different cultures. and But at the heart of it all, and, the, you know, is this key relationship which starts for her when she's very young, she seeks him out as a, She's a schoolgirl. Well, she's very young anyway, as, as a young painter. Yeah. Takes his paintings to him when he's painting a mural. He he agrees to come down and have a look. Yes. He takes the time to go, actually, that's not bad. Come and see me. Maybe there's something seedy about that. But I mean, he does seem to encourage her to be a painter. And then she's basically has some form of relationship with him all his life. Just on Diego Rivera. Yeah. Our, almost our last night of shooting was um, he was doing very well for himself, generating income. He builds this extraordinary studio. Right. It's almost like a mini tomb. It's like a mini Aztec pyramid. Uh, and you go inside at the bottom level. It's quite an extraordinary place. And it's just cavernous and then you've got this amazing staircase and you get to another bit of the studio at the top right. quite an amazing place I mean he, he he's a really interesting character by that point they're kind of separated but I think the other thing one has to acknowledge about both of them is that painting was their despite all these kind of biographical and re- relationship issues for both of them art was their primary yeah. motivation and I think he puts less of his biography into his paintings. He's much more about talking about the world around him, which I think for some people makes him a more appealing artist. So he took, he, he shows the agricultural workers of Mexico, you know. Okay. Those murals are, are either about the history of Mexico or about industrialization. And but that, you're saying that about Mexico City, though, and, and just the fact that, all she probably wants to do is be out. 
dancing, getting electric shocks. <laughs> if they did that, then I don't <laughs> exactly. Know. And to be trapped mm. constantly in your bed and oh yeah, that yeah. plays with your yeah. mind for sure. Yeah, the fact that he's then out yeah. and you, she's obviously not going to trust him. Yeah. So and her mind is yeah. oh, she must be going crazy. If you're living in a place like that and you're just going to yeah. be goes down that bar tonight. You can't. Yeah, he goes down there. I can't guarantee. I mean, it's very hard to know whether you actually would have liked Frida Kahlo, whether you would have got on with her. She might have been really quite a difficult, self-absorbed, critical, criticising. You know, it's difficult to know. Um, I just think being trapped in a body, I actually have personal experience of this, looking after my mum for a long, long time, that you just... Oh, so frustrating. So many good days, so many bad. Yeah, yeah. But to be yeah. that beautiful mm. with that story, that she totally loves him, mm. to not then be able to go out, especially towards the later years, mm. just would have been heartbreaking. Mm. Heartbreaking is the word. Mm. Because you just sort of lay there and just, oh, you know, what am I going to do today? Oh, I'm going to paint. I'm so, not going to paint a happy picture today. I don't feel great. Mm. So like the picture is two Fridas, there are two Fridas, aren't there? One is one mm. is the Frida that actually overcomes the difficulties in her life, mm. overcomes the disabilities, yeah. is able to have, you know, to paint and to have great times and maybe to have an affairs, whatever, despite the wheelchair, despite the corsets, despite the pain, despite yeah. the painkillers. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Frida that can't. Yeah. There's the Frida that is just having, is in pain and is frustrated and is in bed. And her friends are out and she's not. And she yeah. doesn't feel well. And then they're going to come home and talk about what happened. Yeah. Oh, that's not great. Yeah. Towards the end, did she only paint self-portraits? Oh, no, she had that really great sketchbook. Yeah, no, I don't think so. She wasn't the only painting. I mean, there's a period. But didn't she have that really fantastic sketchbook? I think my daughter owns it. Oh, she's got it. It's really, really... There's a, some... a copy of it, I imagine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish. It's yeah. some really brilliant pictures. Yeah. In actual fact, I think... Um, my daughter loves that the most out of her work. Do you know, just as a final thought, mm. those sketchbooks and notebooks of artists, I think are often the most interesting. Yeah. Some of them are absolutely, well, obviously Leonardo's a great mm. example, but when we did a film about Bosch and there's not that many paintings that have survived, but there's about 20 odd paintings, about 20 odd drawings. The drawings are just amazing. And um, plenty of artists, when you see their sketchbooks. Yeah. Like Vincent Van Gogh's letters, you see all the drawings and the, that ability to draw. And Frida Kahlo, yeah, she was, again, it totally belies the idea that she didn't have that ability. She clearly could draw. She definitely could draw. Beautifully. But also, right at the end of your film, uh, the, um, I know him as Alfredo, the, the, the guy that paints the... Retablos. Yes, yeah. and I really like him and I really love what he says yeah. about how... He feels the passion to draw because there's no sense. It, there's like no sensors on his paintings. <clears throat> he can just draw what he wants. Yeah. So and in she, a sketchbook, every artist is just a bit more free, aren't they? Yeah. Even when they're making their commissions, they're just yeah. thinking, "Well, I'm just getting a few things yeah, out." That's here. true. That's, there's a sense of freedom, isn't there? Yeah. That? Hence the fact that you, we probably always prefer those. Yeah. I do. That also sketchbook you, is brilliant. Also, you feel them. You kind of get that sense of them being out and about. Yeah. Out in Italy studying statues yeah. or wherever it might be. Yeah, sure. Fascinating. Well, mm -hmm. enjoyed talking about her. I did. Good I was so freedom. looking forward to this week. 
<laughs> we'll have to um, find something for next time. Yeah, but also it's such a uh, lovely story. Well, we'll go and watch the film again. Yeah. All right. Until the next one. <laughs> Cheerio. Thank you for listening to the Painting of the Week podcast. For more information, please visit our website at seventh-art.com or contact us by emailing info at seventh-art.com. See you next time.